This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast, and my name is Point Blank Yvonne Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. 3,000 listens in, and already the numbers are going up. I guess the frontier I was hoping to actually surpass is coming to fruition, and here's to 3,000 more as we continue to proceed in this particular angle. And I'm grateful for the fact that the support that you've shown me in this past year and, and almost going to a half now you've made it possible for more people to actually find that the perspective and the context i bring here is a context that is constant learning and as i continue to constant learn i'm grateful that you give me the freedom to do so and as i build up to what i really wanted to address as far as that freedom to take the angle i want to i wanted to be grateful also for the whole element of this particular week has started with me having the comfort to break down a lot of things i wanted to actually start following up on like you know how you could procrastinate on certain elements of story you wanted to do and a weekend comes on you that has activity involved that you didn't even get the chance to sketch or prep anything so you end up not really being in the zones you want to be in but i think also it turns into the perfect break from that which was needed it's weird i know it doesn't make any sense yet but it i've had a four-day period where i didn't really draw but i hung out with forward thinkers and when i say forward thinkers i mean this there's an event that i i am a part of the collective of and i'm also a proud member of the community that revolves around this particular music and it's hip-hop music and hip-hop craft and the event is called the boom bap click event taking jazz music and the jazz infused hip-hop and putting them together add that to the element of the fact that the greatest lesson i learned this past weekend was hip-hop has always been the craft that takes everything that music has made creatively and makes its own translation of how grateful we are for the sound made before. Like sampling sometimes could be looked at as a bad thing and could be looked at as craft that isn't the best way possible, but it's given access to people to actually, even if you don't know the instrument itself, I mean, some of us are very cerebral and we wish to learn how the instruments themselves come to life. And as a result of that, sometimes we end up taking forever before we put our first bodies of workout. I always come across these clips of the occasional moments of this mythical character known as Andrew 3000, where he's been spotted somewhere in, in the world and someone will take a picture of him or a video of him and he always has that big brilliant smile on his face. And it's alleged that there's an interview he did and in the interview, I think it was with Rick Rubin, I haven't watched that interview yet. There's, some, there's so many interviews that have come out in the last couple of years that I've not come across personally, mainly because of my chosen angle which is it'll get to me when the time is right so we're gonna blame it on the cookies that i have on my googles <laughs> when that particular material comes to my my plate i will consume it then and i think he said something along the lines of he feels like almost he's in fright of putting more material out or putting himself in the position to write again and i know that fright based upon my own translation of this in the fact that I sometimes find it difficult to make a sketch and I choose to walk away from the responsibility of the sketch and even though the deadline that may be on the particular piece could be right at the wire and end up making a piece that is of even greater value and even a better translation of that which is needed thanks to that adrenaline rush that comes from being right at the very cusp of this thing could go wrong if I don't finish it today. I think it's something about the performance anxiety at the very last minute. And 
there's also that adrenaline rush that comes from that so when you try to keep yourself on deadline mode it's sometimes it's not a good place to be because of your nerves could really just not find the peace they require in my case the only angle i found that actually works to my to my betterment is i have found it comfortable to accept when sometimes drawings go sideways and this episode is actually a continuation towards the wrong impression and i think never have i come up with a perfect theme of bits and pieces i want to actually crack through like this particular moment like the fact that i have a part 5 of this is really really big and it's really really impressive to me because i never thought i'd actually have all the right themes and topics fall side by side so in the weekend that was the the friday that came before it i was watching the making of one of my curiosities which is fantasy films and fantasy television and it was basically the dark crystal and i was watching the i haven't watched the show yet i've i've, I've never watched it uh my one of my closest friends grew up with the film that was done by hbo back in the day i've yet to watch it and i feel sometimes kind of jealous that we didn't have like a vhs player growing up we 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 went straight to vcd players and dvd players we crossed that whole thing in between like i think the first time our household had a colored tv i was 17 or 18 years old Like we had black and white great walls you remember those and since then it just became like i have a I have a color screen tv in my pocket i mean it, i have seen so many things change in such a short period of time that sometimes it feels like hey just be grateful for the time you were born <laughs> and the things you've gotten to see in your lifetime i appreciate every single one of those great leaps and bounds and the wrong impression that i got when i was watching this uh particular tale was i feel sometimes that i was denied something and it was done to protect me we always hear about that how sometimes it's very difficult for a parent to know what to let their kid consume be it verbally uh audibly visually and we get concerned in the sense of how will they be after the fact will we scar this child for to death or will we scar them for the rest of their life will we make them never see past the trauma that potentially could happen and to a certain extent i kind of wish that my parents took like a more imaginative angle of telling me certain stories because <laughs> i feel the luckiest kids ever and the luckiest kids around were the guys who got to grow up with a reading culture and not just any reading culture but they read fantasy books i literally knew about lord of the rings when the movies came out i knew about harry potter when the movies came out i knew about uh the stories of Tolkien like all these TV shows that you could think about like from Lord of the Rings to uh Final Fantasy to even as far as uh the Chronicles of Narnia all this stuff I literally found out about them when the movies came out and I remember that moment where my ex-girlfriend actually asked me like have you not read the books it's like I didn't even know the books existed and then when you see the size of the books my mind just completely shut down like oh that's too thick a book can you find an audio of it so i can listen to it and i got to listen to it and here's the crazy thing it was actually loosely stated by one of the either the authors of the scripts of this netflix series uh the dark crystal or one of the guys involved in the costume making and stuff like that to paraphrase what he said or basically to just take into grips that which i heard from those particular tales is when they said sometimes we don't know how best to translate what evil looks like or 
to know how evil presents itself. So with a fictitious piece of fantasy, I can make a grim looking creature with uh, like pus coming out of his face. We could have him be this grim character with wrinkles that cover his face, making him a witch. And the witch's character becomes that which embodies that which is the evil you would like a person to not be like. And those characters don't really exist in real life, but the character traits can be perceived in real life in how interactions with people you could see like in the corporate space you could feel a person say certain words or carry themselves or conduct themselves in a certain way and realize oh that's like the witch and sometimes when you look at the people who read fantasy books i mean i I read predominantly superhero fiction so it's why i always seem to want to make a character with a, a moral high ground that surpasses the next man and sometimes even though that level of virtue can't be found in real life the fact that it can be perceived or aspired towards is a good thing. I mean, one would say that my equivalent of having fantasy being presented to me would have been uh, probably the greatest fantasy book ever written, and I don't mean this in a bad way, the Bible. And if maybe it was presented to me as a fantasy book, I'd dive deeper. But even in the doctrine I was raised in, and I'm grateful that my parents gave me a doctrine to actually be around, I realized much older when I finally got baptized, although I don't practice as well as I should, I realized that the backbone of that which was my doctrine was research. You have to back that which you say. And if it's not backing it, say if you want to go to the next mile of actually debating it or having the conversation with someone, let the narrative you speak actually add more information for both sides to consume and consider. I've come across these many huddles recently where I want to find perfect ways to tell certain stories and I want to tell very many stories and the fact that it's implied that we can't really make as much fantasy as we wish it's just this vague statement that people put out there to actually give people walls that they feel that they could not go past and I'm beginning to love the fact that even though most information we seek doesn't exist or is not readily accessible to us how about i fill that void with stories that i want to tell in the way that i want to tell them i've been swirling uh ideas of concepts of books in my head and i want to i want to write all kinds of things i want to write hu- i want to write, write comedy with proper humor that could be touched by any person across the globe and they all get it i want to write fantasy that would end up becoming something that even another author would see that and say that it was one of the small bits and pieces that would lead them to making further work. It's literally why upon my return to making podcast episodes, the first person I gave props to was a gentleman who, and I feel I'm not doing the right job of giving him props because I haven't purchased his new books. And I I assure you, Salim, I'm just waiting to get my cash together. (laughs) I am so getting those books from you. And I'm so proud of you actually making that happen. He's spearheading the idea of taking fantasy further and the idea of taking character design and and character conceptualization to a different place and giving it a a native touch and a native home and giving it the unapologetically African appearance and, and visual. It's so freeing to see that happen. And the more of us who actually do it, the more it becomes a norm. And when you see the whole idea of fantasy, as much as we fear that a child could be scarred with the image of dragons. We're so surrounded by the image of dragons nowadays that we can't really see a world with, where this doesn't happen. 
certain lecturers said that the writings of uh, Tolkien in regards to Lord of the Rings was his conscious or unconscious take of how the world works. I've touched on that in this podcast before and I'll touch on it again. And simply because Lil Wayne said repetition is the father of learning. I repeat, repetition is the father of learning. And what he said was, the, the, the lecturer who actually was breaking down his perception of, or his take of Lord of the Rings was, the character Smaug was supposed to represent the aristocracy in the First World War. And aristocracy was basically people who would hoard all the wealth of a land and keep it to themselves and just lay over their wealth and not really care about the middle classes and the lower classes. Uh, the, the lecturer also came up with his whole takes of which particular social class belongs where and who does what. And when I looked at that and I loved how that person's take of everything was and how he put that to life. And when I considered that the kind of stories I want to tell, and even when I come across most of my friends who, whenever they have an occasion to come across a piece of uh, history that says something we didn't know about the East African coast, that which is our current nativity and our current home, he's he or she is the first person to actually repost it and let the video swirl for us to actually consume it. I mean, just today I found out that there was a certain healthy and wealthy city in what is now Zanzibar, and it was there in the 10th century, and it was documented about, and for some reason those particular pieces of documentation are lost. A friend of mine during the Boom Bap Click event, shout out to Tony Tone, he actually said that, there's a time we're trading in gold and ivory, which means we knew how to smelt gold and we knew how to prepare ivory for trade. Granted, we want to save our elephants, but these were some of the precious things we were trading at the time. And when you look at all that, consider the fact that some of these fantasy stories are deep in the second or third or fourth century. And even another person who gave me something to consider. Shout out to my man, Rox, a film writer who actually wrote the film I'm currently uh, working on in the, in the office. Nine years down, we're going to get it done. And this thing he shared with me was a film, I think it was a short film, or five, six short films compiled into one feature, which was a piece of great entertainment known as Primal. And we can't speak to the sentiment of the people in the Stone Age, so we can't say that the author of that did not have the right to tell the story of the Stone Age, or we don't expect a lobby to show up and claim that they're going to dictate that which is the story of the, the, the early man. And the audacity to do all that is something I really admire. And I'd like us to take more chances in that direction. We are too quick to censor ourselves based upon how we want everything to be based on historical fact. Well, sometimes fantasy just gives you a loophole and a freedom away from that. I can't stress that enough. That's one of the, the coolest and most freeing thing I came across now. And I've, I'll say it once and I'll say it again because that's the tangent I'm on and that's the frequency I'm on. And another friend told me that in that which is currently, we're in the third millennium, if I'm not mistaken. And in this third millennium, there is a constant search need and desire to get spiritual information and spiritual connections to get to a level where sometimes the only way to speak is not to actually say words but to share thought to, to pass thought across time and across space to have chakras communicate with each other and i know i'm saying words that i, I clearly don't know enough about but 
as a person who worked on a book that the author supremely wanted the spirituality of the person looking at the book to reign supreme. Her allowing me to actually find my way to find color, to actually translate color, to face the fear I had of how to best depict a colorful world. Because one of my biggest handicaps in my early career was finding a perfect way to make colors actually contrast and uh, blend perfectly. And when I was thrown in the deep end of having to find a way to learn that, thanks to this person whose spiritual journey ended up becoming the kind of encouragement she gave me because she was very understanding of every fear that I had. And I'm one who, luckily for me, prior to even starting to do the book with her, I'd already made a conscious decision to tell a client or to tell a person I'm working with when I'm uncertain of that which I'm doing and to request more time. And if the more time can't be granted, to be allowed the chance to walk away and hopefully get a call in future projects. So I really take that very, very seriously. And when I now consider the idea of because I didn't grow up with fantasy doesn't mean I can't learn what it is or how, or how to li- write it and learn the best way to portray it to the world. So as I seek and venture to do this, I do implore you to not deny the young the chance to actually find these things, especially for a person like me whose imagination is supremely active. And sometimes I just, based upon the little I'd come across, my limited uh, access to things that would make my mind go even wilder, I'm now trying to have a crash course on how to best do it and how to best learn it and adapt it. I see drawings by some of the greatest minds all, all across the globe, especially the artists on, from Belgium, France, and, and the further east, like Korea and, and India and all these places, and China and South Korea. And when I see all these artists do the things that they do with, without fear or favor or even without hinging themselves on that which is the construct of our current world or that which is the construct of that which is everything we know as success or everything we know as the universal truth of perfect science. I mean, it's it's something that I feel in the next episode I'm going to touch on will kind of explain how I'm diagnosing that which is the problem that faced us. And as I try fix my way through it, maybe you'll help me even find further ways to not keep myself hitting my head against the wall. I want to I wanna grow. I want to not only grow, but I want to grow and surpass. I want to make hurdles that I feel exist for me, not exist for the next man. And if a 10, 15-year-old would look at, even if it's a sketch, a rough sketch that I've done and my peers have done, and that kid, he or she says, well, I, I can't take this further than this, and they actually do that, then a third generation that's going to come out is going to know that, yes, we are capable of making these things come to life. We were imposed upon that which is status quo. And because it was imposed, many people have refused to let themselves distance themselves from even the idea of drawing outside the box or drawing outside the lines. And I love that I've heard of people who just because a person said you could have your notes written in a book with lines they choose objectively to write in a book with boxes not just to piss somebody off but sometimes because like hey the norm clearly wasn't working and 
that's why sometimes I'm fascinated by the stories of uh, professors and discoverers who end up becoming Nobel Prize laureates and stuff like that. So bear with me as I find my own journey. And as you do yours, please attempt, if you can, to be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and for supporting this podcast and letting the numbers keep on rising to prove that it's possible for us to make great content come to life, especially in a time when we just want something to make us think outside the box. Until next time. Uno.